Aloha folks and welcome back to Degree Free. I'm your host, Ryan Maruyama. And before we get into today's podcast, I do have one ask of you. If you want to get more Degree Free, if you'd like to learn about different Degree Free jobs that are open, how to get the work that you want, different learn about different companies that are down credentialing or how to upskill yourself, definitely subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to degreefree.co slash newsletter and sign up. You won't regret it. One to two emails a week right into your inbox on how to do everything degree-free. And now today our guest is Joel Bine, head of growth for careerhackers.com. Very excited to talk to him. We have a wide-ranging conversation from music to careers. If you like what we do at Degree Free, you're also going to like what they do over at Career Hackers. Definitely check them out, careerhackers.com. And without any further ado, enjoy this week's episode. Joel, thank you so much for coming on the Degree Free podcast. We are super excited to have you. I wanted to start someplace that I have zero background in, and that is music. Um, I noticed when I was kind of doing some research for this podcast that you are a conductor for, and I'm not sure what it is, the NOCP, New Orleans... Chamber Players. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about it? Yeah. Do you mind talk, talking a little about that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's funny. Come on a degree-free podcast, but I have two degrees in, in music. Um, but that's sort of, yeah, it's, it's an interesting element of my story where I've always been a passion-driven person. And so... I fell in love with, with classical music and then eventually conducting, um, you know, as a 17, 18 year old and have been most of my adult life was centered around music and, and following that passion and specifically conducting. At one point I had ambitions to become a full on orchestral conductor, conducting symphonies, but I sort of continued to refine and dial in what the path that was most true to me would look like as I kind of went throughout my twenties and, and, and that's why I, I, I kind of sculpted this lifestyle that I set up a few years ago where I'm, I'm now working in the private sector, working at the startup company and, and pursuing this, this other passion to, to, to create new paradigms in education for one, but this music passion now, uh, is still alive, you know, and I, but I've made that as a side passion project. And so I started this nonprofit in 2018 as just a small organization where I put on two, three concerts a year and it's chamber music specifically. I've conducted large groups before I've conducted band, I've conducted wind ensemble and orchestra. Um, I've sort of pared down this, this musical, passion into this organization as a chamber music organization, which, which means small groups and chamber refer, refers to, you know, back in the 18th century, whatnot, you would have a lot of intimate gatherings in in people's living rooms in their chamber, and you'd hear small groups of musicians perform. So chamber music refers to that intimacy and that's that size. Um, so it'll, the concerts we usually put on or some of the music's, solos, duos, trios, quartets, and then some of the music that I conduct, which is a little bit larger, usually an octet of, of eight musicians or a dectet of 10 musicians. And yeah, it's just really joyous. Uh, 
it's a professional organization. Should I have some working the uh, administrative side and doing fundraising and um, get to work with these really talented musicians and create this this beautiful uh, intimate chamber music. So that's that's amazing. As um, I am music illiterate basically <laughs> um and so i'm gonna ask a really dumb question i i think really beginner but what does a conductor do like um i mean i, I see them at the you know i see you i was right before this i was watching a youtube video oh. uh, where you were conducting and and um you know i obviously you're conducting i mean you're you're setting the tempo like what do conductors do yeah it's a fun question because especially as i've ventured out and i've met more and more people who are not musicians and i get this question more often and so it's a fun it's a fun opportunity for me to to figure out the most effective way to communicate that answer um i would say that my role as a conductor is to become a musical leader and to first and foremost prepare through study the musical score so that I know it in my head through and through, in my heart through and through, in my body kinesthetically where it's, you know, if you take a metaphor or analogy of, of acting, people can relate to the idea that the actor must know his lines, right? And then not just know your lines, but to be able to put the character into those lines. So it's the same concept with conducting where you want to know your lines. You want to know what the composer wrote down and understand the score and be able to sing all the parts and to be able to understand the harmonies and, and then create an interpretation based on your own musical soul. Um, create a subjective in interpretation of that objective notation. And so that's really 90% plus of the work is spending time on your own, learning the music and bringing artistic interpretation. So then when you go to that first rehearsal with the musicians, it's about how can you convey that preparation and lead the musicians towards that interpretation that ideally you have a very vivid conviction, very vivid image of what you want the music to sound like. And so then it becomes a process of integrating that with your, your, your body, your physical training and understanding how to, to communicate that and and yeah, it really does. It doesn't, if you're a lay person, even when I was first starting to learn to conduct, I was like, wait, what does the conductor actually affect? And once you realize, once you start seeing a, a master conductor conduct versus a student conductor, for example, if you go to a workshop and you see a master conductor, here, let me do it. Let me show you how to, how to do it like this. And you realize, oh, the entire sound of the ensemble just changed because the conductor changed. Right, so there's a lot of actual nuance and, and nonverbal communication that's happening through the body um, of the of the conductor that can affect the, the quality of the sound, the can affect the shape of the sound. There's a lot of there's a lot of depth and nuance there. <clears throat> that yeah, that's um, incredible. To as like as you said, as a layperson, I'm just thinking that. It's kind of a naive, but I just think everybody has their sheet music in front of them. Like, you know, you just play, everybody knows the song, everybody's professionals, right? I mean, you just kind of like play along with the music and you don't even think that there could be a, like, as you said, a subjective 
like role that anybody can play in the music for me yeah as a music illiterate person it's almost as if the because you're playing sheet music the music is objective but that's so interesting yeah, i mean it's that's um, it's uh one conductor chelabadaki he said conducting is eliminating multiplicities so professional musicians especially they can typically play music the music without the conductor they don't need you to be there for the tempo maybe only mo the most complex modern music um but generally I mean, Mozart, for example, everyone kind of knows Mozart, and he was writing his symphonies, and the conductor, there was no conductor back then. The conductor didn't come along until um, 50 to 100 years later, really, in that classical era. So the musicians don't need you to, to, to in order to execute the music, but the, the role becomes, can you present an interpretation where you're eliminating the multiplicities? All the different musicians, they have, might have their own interpretation. You're going to come in and be a leader say i have this i've studied this and i have this conviction and i'm i have this and the conviction and this this will for the sound through through my own emotion passion interpretation etc i'm gonna through physical physical communication uh gel all of those those professional musicians into one unified interpretation that that is amazing and that makes a lot a lot of sense when you break it down like that everybody has their own bias of whatever how the music uh should sound and it's your job to kind of get everybody on the same page and conduct yeah music. and hopefully hopefully elevate <laughs> them to a place where they wouldn't be able to achieve that level of artistry without that unified leader now that's that's the tall order uh, you know there's plenty there's plenty of conducting that happens we'll say <laughs> that's not necessarily elevating musicians higher than they could um, but that's like the holy grail is to be able to have that much of a uh, basically ideal is to be able to seduce the musicians to play at a higher level of expression. So, yeah. Uh, and how do you, I mean, how do you do that? Is that just, just like, as you said, kinesthetically through your body as your, or is that something that you guys practice in the rehearsal room um, that you work with yeah, them you know, individually? It's, it's with, ongoing. I mean, the rehearsal process is a com conversation essentially. I mean, there's, there's, there is verbal commentary in the rehearsal from the conductor and then there's, but there's so much nonverbal. So it's like a dialogue, like musicians are at a certain place and you have a certain interpretation and every time you conduct is, is you're, you're communicating, you're adjusting your gesture based on what you're hearing and so that you can start to guide them towards where you want them. And it's a continual game of, of adjustment. And then, yeah, I mean the seduction part, that's, that's really where it becomes more about the intangible emotional element where we're here to create something that's beyond the mundane, something that's ineffable beauty, right? That's beyond just we're doing it correctly, but to create something that moves people to create something that has an impact, um, and creates goosebumps and all those, all those beautiful experiences. That's, a, that's where it's about the intangible and, and tapping into your, your soul, your life experience, pouring that in in the moment as a conductor so that you inspire the musicians. And so one of the things that we talk about a lot is kind of taking experience from one sector of your life and then kind of applying that in different areas. And so with conducting, like how have you 
are there any ways that you've applied that in, in different ways of your life, like professionally or even in personal relationships? Yeah. I mean, like it's my number one answer would be the sense of passion. So as I said, that's my first passion is music. And I've, I've transferred that into this second career path that I've, that I've forged out of that same, not the same passion, but the same level of passion for, for education, evolution and personal empowerment, curiosity, creativity. Um, and so it, that is where I, that's where I lead. That's, that's my strength is to hopefully be someone who is inspiring. So like what I'm doing right now, I'm writing the daily job hunt newsletter to, to people in their um, job hunt, people, people who are looking to, you know, up level their careers. And I, I come from that same place of how can I, through my words, through my writing, through that creative pursuit, how can I hook people in? How can I inspire people to tap into their inner power so they can go forge their career path and come alive? Because that's, that's the mission of our, uh, of my company is to help people discover and do what makes them come alive. Like that's a passion driven energy. So it's the same concept there where I'm going to lead with that. And then everything else falls into place where you can't just have passion. You need to be able to create tangible value. Uh, with hard skills. Um, but if you lead with that, then that's the fuel. Like the why is the fuel for the how and the what. So those are definitely parallel. And, and then otherwise I would say the consistency muscle. Um, you know, you, you learn as a musician the, the, the value and the importance of consistent commitment to your instrument practicing on a daily basis. And I'm really grateful to have developed that consistency muscle and, and level of it. It's sort of like, it's almost a ritual. Uh, it's almost a, a sacred practice. It's where you integrate it into your being your sense of identity to, to do it every day, no matter what your mood is. Right. So I apply that to now my, my craft of writing, creating content, et cetera, and creating value in the marketplace in general, but just be able to say, how can I show up every single day? And, and even if it's, I'm going through, uh, even if I didn't sleep well that night, or if I'm, I'm feeling demotivated in some way, or it's about consistently showing up and having creativity as a habit. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, this is the degree free podcast. And I know that you mentioned that you had, you have two musical degrees. Where did you go to school? Um, my undergrad was up in the great north of New York State, the Crane School of Music at SUNY Potsdam, um, about 30 minutes from Canada, eight hours from New York City. Um, and then I have a master's that I got a few years later from the University of Michigan. Uh, um, so can you just give us a little brief uh, background on like, you went, so you got your bachelor's and then you got your master's. What did you do professionally before you started Career Hackers? Yeah, so it was sort of in that music domain overall. And and this is where the sort of the education piece of my story comes in, where my first degree is in music education. And so I found myself on this path of becoming certified to become a K-12 music educator in, in New York State. And uh, 
then um, I got to my senior year and I really, I mean, I found this, this podcast called School Sucks Podcast. And my, I, <laughs> my curiosity had led me to that point. And I basically had, I've been starting to question my philosophy, uh, philosophy of education. And it just happened that the timing worked out where School Sucks Podcast started in, in August 2009. And I found it in September. And at the same time, I was starting to do my student teaching experience. So I was literally working with elementary school students and I was working with high school students and then working into these systems and like learning about through the podcast, it's very like radical podcast talking about like the, the hidden root problems of school, of school, of, of the compulsion of the, the, the obedience and the conformity that's kind of baked into these systems. And it was a big light bulb and like, holy, holy crap type moment. Um, so this sort of became this, am I going to, am I going to keep following this or am I going to ignore this truth that I'm coming across? Um, but really I knew that, that that was the direction I ultimately was ultimately wanted to go was to, it was a, sort of a seed that was planted to, to like, to do something about education in this culture. Um, at the same time, I had all this momentum in my career. I was like, I'm about to finish this college degree to get certified, to go into these schools. And at the time I didn't have. You know, I didn't have the mindset that I have now about career. And I was like, and I, I didn't know what else to do essentially besides go and get a job teaching as a, becoming a band director. Um, and of course, part of me did want to do it because I, you know, I had a passion for music and I had a passion for working with young people. And so it was like this passion for music and, and education was already there, but then there was a passion against the system. <laughs> But anyway, I went into that system and I started teaching and I mean, I'll try to try to keep the story more succinct, but it, I, I taught for four years, uh, elementary, middle school and some high school. And then, you know, but I was also following that conducting passion at a more like professional level and creating projects in the side that led, that led to my master's degree in conducting, um, and finish that out. But then I was really starting to gain a lot of self-knowledge about, because I kept listening to School Sucks. Like School Sucks podcast, highly recommend it. Um, it's been an anchor. Yeah, we'll put yeah. links to everything in the show notes yeah. for sure. I was, that's been my number one podcast throughout my life. I've become close friends with the creator, Brett. Um, I listened to that podcast consistently for 12 years. And so it was just like, it was this anchor in my life as I'm going through these systems and I'm teaching and I'm like listening to podcasts on the side and it's this interesting parallel. Um, so by the time I got, got to my master's, I'm like, okay, well, I'm studying conducting. I love that, but I really need to figure out after this master's, it's really going to be the time for me to forge my own path and write my own script. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to conform to these systems. I don't, I, I want to do something entrepreneurial. I want to do something uh, tailored to my true self um, and to, to basically write my, own, write my own script, blaze my own trail, and to somehow integrate these two passions, as I mentioned, of, of music and, and, and doing something to, to, to impact education. And so that's when I, I, got, I, got an, I got a high school charter school job after that, and I kept, so I kept that kind of going, but then I was really focused in on making a career change um, there at the 2016 to, to 2020, I was kind of starting to, to follow Isaac Morehouse, who was, who's the founder of, of the company I work for now. And, um, 
that I kind of soaked up all of his podcasts about career and that, and I, and about self-directed learning and about building your portfolio and about building your, your, your skills and being able, to, being able to prove them and pitching companies and all these things we can talk about. Um, but all with that, all with that underlying vision of, of empowering people to, to come alive in their own paths and not relying on these institutions um, in order to, to create your career. So I was sort of learning that mindset while I was in that last high school job and eventually made that pivot back in 2022. And I pitched Isaac to work for the company that I work for now. Yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing that story. The, you mentioned in that you were started questioning the philosophy of education. And I guess my question would be is what exactly were you questioning? Yeah, I love that question. I was questioning what is the nature of learning, right? How is it that a child can learn obstinately? What is natural? What is beyond natural? Just what is optimal and how does it work? So I was tapping into my own curiosity, just asking, how does one learn? How does one acquire, integrate new concepts? And really pretty quickly came evident that Oh, well, learner, learning is the activity of the learner. You can't learn something truly unless you understand it for yourself and you have level of independence. And if someone's uh, teacher or whatnot is sort of installing it into your brain, right? It's not true education. It's not true learning because you're not coming to the conclusions independently. If you're just regurgitating or saying something is true because you heard it, then you're not, you're, you're just appealing to the authority of that person rather than you understand it logically, et cetera. Um, like as Socrates said, education is not the filling of a vessel, but the kindling of a flame. So I really thought about that pretty, pretty actively and realized that it's key to have independence as, and as well as choice. The learner needs to have choice about what he or she's learning. And that starts with curiosity. And I realized, oh, none of these things are happening in these systems. I completely agree with that. I mean, that's that's how I learn, at least. I mean, I can't... I mean, I think most people are like this, but I can't learn anything that I'm not passionate about. I mean, I feel like, I feel like many people are like this, most people, but you can learn anything as long mm -hmm. as you have... Going back to what you said earlier, is as long as you have the why. Like, I mean... You could probably, I mean, maybe not rocket science, but I mean, if you studied it for a decade, if you had a strong enough why, you probably could. Yeah. And I guess like, how do you, as the teacher, how do you kindle that flame? Like, how do you get that curiosity? How do you stoke the fire? Yeah, the role of the, the teacher in an education is still valuable. The question is the element of choice and is the learner coming to that teacher voluntarily to ask particular questions to receive guidance? Is there a contract? Is there an agreement? Is there, an, is there a context where the, the teacher becomes someone the learner is actively pursuing to acquire the knowledge or is the teacher mandating that you learn X, Y, and Z. So um, in terms of sparking curiosity, I don't actually believe 
the teacher does that. I think we're humans are born with a natural curiosity and you just look at little kids and they're curious, they're wondrous, they're asking why all the time. And then my question becomes why once they start age five, do they stop asking why? <laughs> right? If you look at three year olds, four year olds, they're asking why, start going to school. I've taught every and I've worked in the system every every single grade level, K through graduate school. And I've seen the literally every single year, the level of apathy increases. Those kindergartners, they're really enthusiastic, uninhibited, and curious, but then the system squelches it out. So the curiosity is naturally inside of us. And then the teacher can be there if, if the learner's curiosity brings him to the teacher to ask certain questions, and maybe you receive certain wisdom, guidance, um, you know, someone who's been at a particular, let's talk about careers for a second. You, you know, someone who's, who's a seasoned marketing professional and someone who's coming up, maybe they want to apprentice with that marketing professional. They just want to, they want to interview on a podcast. They want to learn. Well, the, the learners coming to them saying, I'm really curious about marketing and then asks questions based on the curiosity. And then the teacher would be based on his experience sharing that. Um, but ultimately it's the curiosity comes from within. Definitely. The, I kind of wanted to switch gears here and I know that you talked about, um, getting together with Isaac and pitching him to work for career hackers. I guess real quick, I have never met Isaac. Um, but I met Cameron Sorsby, um, that, yeah, who heads up Praxis. Actually, a couple of weeks ago uh, or a couple of months ago, I was in Austin and we uh, we met up and met in person too. Um, so I've never met Isaac, but I'm aware of his work. Huge fan of what you guys are doing um, at Career Hackers. But what was interesting about what you said is you pitched Isaac to get your job now. And... Was there a job listing? This is one of the things that we talk about a lot is about like not waiting for opportunities and just kind of getting out there. So I'd like if you could talk a little bit about how that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in a sense, I mean, my, my story is um, it's unique in the sense that I, I, I found Isaac's work and sort of went 100% in to, to, um, t- towards a purpose to work for him. Cause I was so lit up about his mission. Um, and that's what I recommend to people is if you can, if you can find that one opportunity, that's so your head over heels for, then that's the way to go. Um, put all your eggs in that basket and, and rather than trying to play a numbers game with your career, just focus on that one opportunity. That's super exciting to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I got in contact with him, you know, five, six years ago and I, I kind of pitched him a couple times and failed. I wanted to, I wanted to work for him for Praxis as an intern. I, I, you know, had, had some good conversations, had, had, came, kind of came in the running for those opportunities, but, um, what was not, uh, ripe and ready, I suppose, to, to, for that fit to happen yet, um, and so 
but I just kept going. Like my, my undercurrent, my why was so strong that it was basically no one was going to stop me. Um, and eventually in 2020, when Isaac, Isaac second company was just crash, which grew out of Praxis and, and now career hackers is the rebrand of crash. So crash was a software tool where you can use a video pitch platform to pitch your way into job opportunities. So when that was coming up, I became a customer of that. I was like, oh, this is perfect timing because I was like really looking to make my pivot out of the high school job. And I was also determined to work for him. And it was sort of like I was trying to figure out the best next best move for me. And I was like, oh, let me uh, me become a customer of this platform and let me build my portfolio further. And let me just get let me just first start. At first, I wasn't necessarily going to go pitch him again. I was, I'm going to just go pitch some companies in, in the startup world and start to kind of move in that direction, get myself into the private sector and get some more experience creating value in, in the marketplace. And so I went all in with this pitch approach, the pitch mindset. And in 2020, I was pitching, um, I think I pitched like 16 plus opportunities uh, through video. And this was, this was 2020. I literally just, I started doing it right when the world imploded in spring 2020. And so there's all these companies that were freezing their hiring. And I was like, great, great. Just when I want to do this, it's like the economy is in, uh, on pause, <laughs> but, uh, I was like, nothing's going to stop me. I just kept going, but I, I landed in, in interviews 80% of the time, these video pitches, even though I had no experience. Oh, wow, that's yeah. amazing. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, something like that, 60%, 80%. Uh, and then I had interviews and I just kept coming up short, but it was all just like a blessing in disguise, I think, because ultimately I just I wanted to work for Isaac's mission, which is to help people discover and do what makes them come alive. Like It was sort of this meta thing where like I'm pursuing my next career, career move and that's it, it became this thing where, oh, I want to help people with their careers because I want to see the world become alive and I want to see people become independent of these institutions, right? If we can, if we can get rid of the, the need for a degree or a credential in order to have a quote unquote good job, then that makes these K through 12 systems a lot less relevant. Like, oh, we, we can just, we can just follow our self-directed learning and that's going to have so many benefits. Um, so anyway, I, I, there was no job posting. Eventually I just, decided to pitch him directly, even though he didn't have an, any official opening. Um, and I, he had, he had, we had been in con contact and he had given me some part-time work because doing some customer service work. Um, and I kind of gotten to know the team more and I got more behind the scenes. And then I was like, okay, this is the, this, I need to create a value proposition and, and, uh, offer to work for free and just go all in with this. So I did that. And I pitched him to work for free for seven days and I kind of proved myself and then he offered me the job. Wow. That's, that is amazing. And there's a lot to unpack there. Like that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I guess a couple of questions, the video pitch. Um, I love it. I think it's, it's great what makes a successful video pitch and and i guess for that a lot of people a lot of people that listen to this podcast 
they think that they have no skills, they have no experience in their in their jobs that they're applying to. Like a lot of people are, they have some work experience, but they're say we have a lot of teachers that listen to this podcast and they're trying to make a, a transition, just like how you did. Or we have a lot of nurses that listen to this podcast and they they're kind of done with nursing and they want to make a transition, but they're. They don't know how to pitch their relevant skills that they have now. They view them as not useful. And so what makes a successful pitch? And then like, how did you get in front of people in order to even get these pitches done? Like if there was no job posting, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, the, the, the other jobs that I pitched were, were through job postings. Um, okay. So you can kind of go both both paths. The advantage of uh, going for an opportunity with no job posting is that there's not really competition. Uh, of course, you need to prove that you can actually create value for them. Um, but I would actually encourage people to do that, maybe even as a first option to say, let me find the companies that are really exciting, one, two, three companies that are most exciting and go create my own role. And especially if it's a smaller company, there's a lot of companies that are going to love that. They're going to feel so excited that someone thought of them. Um, so I, but the, the previous jobs, I actually wasn't, before I pitched Isaac, I didn't, hadn't taken that approach. I was actually feeling a little bit insecure about doing that. I was like, oh, I'm not sure it's going to be worth it. I think I'll just stick to the, the, knowing that there's a job posting available. Um, so either way though, you can stand out. If you send a video pitch, you can cut through the noise. If you have hundreds of applications, no experience to compete against. If you have no experience and there's hundreds of applications, you can still stand out. That's what I did. I mean, I, I pitched this one company and this was March, 2020. So again, it, it happened right when the, when the world blew up, but um, I put a lot of hours into this pitch and I made custom projects for them. This was a company I was really excited about their value system and they were looking for a BDR person and they were specifically asking for someone with multiple years experience. And I still was able to cut through the noise. I made a three minute video for them addressing you know their team and their CEO by name and telling them why I love their values and and then I created projects for them. And that, that cut, there was like 1400 applications for that. And I got an interview uh, and it might've gone further, but they, but they weren't, they were freezing their hiring. And the point is that you can, you can cut, cut through the noise if you send this video pitch, I'm telling you. And the way to do that is just, if the, you can skip the job application, you can, Find the hiring manager, the hiring manager's email address. Use websites like Hunter.io, um, Snov.io, Neverbounce.com. These are sites where you can check and verify email addresses, and you just find that person, or you can send it to more than one person. You find the decision maker that makes the most sense to email to. Maybe you're going for a marketing role, send it to the head of marketing. Um, if it's a small company, send it right to the CEO, and you can just email them and say, hey, I made this for you. <laughs> and in the video itself, you wanna, first of all, let me take a step back and that people hearing this, they might think this is this huge undertaking and it's this 
huge effortful hours long project to do something in, in this creative customized way. And that's at first what I thought when I first started, but actually if you can just take a deep breath and realize that you don't need to put as much effort in as you realize, just like just shoot a 30 second video. Like you want to do a, you want to do quality work, but if you shoot a 30 second, 60 second video and you email it to the hiring manager, it's very likely you're going to get a response back at the very least. And you don't want to get stuck in perfectionism. You don't want to get stuck in analysis paralysis and all this resistance. This is the biggest, this is the biggest thing. That's why we started this, this newsletter that I'm running now is helping people with the mindset because the mindset is the biggest thing. Mindset of creativity, doing something bold, different to cut through the noise that can feel a little bit vulnerable, but the more you can just kind of let go and lean into that, then the better chance you're going to stand out. So you just, you look into the camera and say, Hey, Acme Incorporated, I love your mission to blah, blah, blah. Like, what is it that you love about them? Just start talking about them, why you love them. And all of a sudden they're going to be like, whoa, this person loves us. You know, (laughs) it's like they, they get all these boring resumes and it's like, if you just send an email to the person's inbox and it's like, hey, I made this for you. And you send a video and it's humanized because you, sh- you smile and you show them and that's huge. And then in terms of the soft skill thing and not, not, not having enough confidence in your, your skills, if you're making a career change. Um, first of all, if you're a teacher, like I'd love to talk to you. Um, that's you're like, you're in my wheelhouse. Like I get that if, if, especially if you're looking to make a change out of that system, I make, I empathize with that a lot and you have a lot of soft skills. You have, you are some of the most organized people on the planet. Um, if you're working in that system and you have planning skills, you have communication skills, you have empathy skills, the, the, the key with, no matter what industry you're in though, and no matter what industry you're pivoting out of, it just takes a little bit, just takes a couple minutes and just reflect on what skills you, do, you built up and now realizing you can transfer those skills and you can pitch yourself based on those skills. If you've been bagging groceries, well, you're consistent because you show up, there's a, there's a long line of people coming in and they want you, someone to bag the groceries and you show up every single time and you bag those groceries and you have a sense of work ethic and consistency. And you could literally tell that story and pitch yourself for a sales role. So I'm going to make that, I'm going to take that same consistency. I'm going to, I'm going to make awesome cold calls because I have that endurance and consistency. Boom. They're, they use connected the dots for them. That's showing that you're, you have thinking skills, by the way, like there's so much that you can, you can, there's so, you don't need a whole, you don't need like all this experience. You just need to, to be bold really. I mean, yeah, there's some hard skills you can develop and we can talk about, we can talk about building hard skills and building portfolio, but the bar is low. Most people aren't doing this. So if you do it, you're probably going to get an interview. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the one of the questions that we get asked a lot is like, how do I stand out? Like, how do I make my resume stand out? And and you're just, and you're like, honestly, there's not really a good way to make your to make your resume stand out. I mean, there are things that you could do, you know, sure. But I mean, while everybody's focused on paper, why don't you go off paper? You know, like, why don't you do exactly what you said? Do a do a video pitch or put together a pitch deck and send it and, you know, three slides, here you go. Here, you know, here's what I can do for your department. And 
I think exactly what you said is hugely valuable um, in that thinking about your experience creatively. And like the bagging groceries is a perfect example of that. I mean, you're, you, you are detail oriented. I mean, you, you're consistent, you know, you, you show up. Those are all things that exactly, as you said, if you can just tell a hiring manager and connect the dots for them, you know, if you just say, oh man, I'm, I'm just a, a grocery bagger, you know, that's all I do. But if you say, I'm a, I'm a go-getter, you know, I can, I can absolutely learn how to do this. This is how, you know, if you want to say how efficient you were at bagging groceries or what, you know, whatever story you want to weave for them, make it, make it easy for them and then make it so that they can't possibly say no to you. Like just connect those dots, as you said. Yeah, totally. And with, yeah, just real quick, like yeah, it's about telling the story. Like Isaac has a video you can find on Career Hackers video page. It's about telling me your story, not your status. Humans connect with stories. Can you share your story? Can you share how you've overcome adversity? That's what that's what companies want. They want someone who's growth minded and who has grit. The soft skills are are as important, if not more important, than the hard skills. And especially if you're going for entry level an entry level job, they're looking for someone who's who's willing to learn. So if you can tell a story about how you've to prove that you've that you have a, a growth mindset, et cetera, then people connect with that. Yeah, definitely. And kind of switching gears here, I wanted to talk about career hackers for a little bit. Um, you guys, as I wrote to you in your email, you guys pump out a lot of content and it's really awesome. You guys do a, a great job. And one of the things, and I'd kind of just want to give you a comment. I don't know if I have a question really, but it's kind of just a compliment. Uh, one of the things that I feel like as a consumer of your guys' content, it's very genuine, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and I really, I really get that, um, you know, kind of what you were talking about with education, like you guys are just here to, you know, give the information out, you know, and your daily, um, the daily job hunt, the, the newsletter, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, everybody should subscribe. Definitely. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. I mean, like I said, yeah, no, sorry. There's, no. not, much, there's not a, there's I'll, not a I'll question. Take, I'll take the compliments, brother. I, I, mean, I, love, I actually really, really appreciate that because, you know, a big part of my journey has been finding that authenticity, finding that true self, figuring out how to align my, align my truth, my values with what I'm actually doing on a daily basis to be real. And um, a lot of my 20s were like, kind of hiding that. And then in these past few years, part of my story has been to, to actualize that. So to hear that it's, it's, it sounds genuine to you, that that really means a lot. And yeah, we just love, we just love creating the content and, and sharing this mindset and sharing, sharing tools and resources to, to empower people and realize, yeah, I think we said earlier before we started recording that there's, there's no rules to this thing. There's no, you don't have to follow what, the basically the conveyor belt has told you the conveyor belt of, of school and institutions and resume building and all that stuff is like, this is what you're supposed to do, right. In order to have a job, it's like, that's just this 20th century thing. That's that we need. It's, it's already on its way out. It's already dissolving. And the more you can just recognize that the the better equipped you're going to be in these coming decades, especially in these economic times, like this is the time to realize that the system is not, serving you 
and that you don't need to follow those supposed rules. There's no rules. What matters is your ability to create value and your ability to prove that you can create value. And if you can present that to a company and, and, and create projects, create tangible value, and that's all that matters. Yeah. The one thing that I did want to talk about was the hard skills versus soft skills that we were kind of talking about earlier. With the soft skills, I guess a lot of people really undervalue them. And do you have any tips of like, I guess, how to communicate that, like whether through, whether through a video pitch and how, what people can say to, you know, highlight that they have those soft skills or what they can do or whether it's on a resume or something like that. I got no resume tips, but, um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I literally have no tips. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, um, and for people that just uh, to jump in real fast for people that uh, don't know why we're laughing, if you go to careerhackers.com, you'll, you'll, you'll understand why, why we're laughing. It's burn your resume. It's all, it's plastered all <laughs> over there. And I agree. I agree with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sorry, go ahead. soft skills. Um, yeah, I just had a thought like soft skills are sort of like emotions, in, a, in terms of your ability to recognize them. Like it's, there's emotional intelligence and there's like soft skill intelligence in a sense. Like emotional intelligence takes practice to recognize, okay, this, this feeling is sadness in my body right now. Okay. This feeling is despondency. This feeling is elation. Right. And the more you, the vocabulary you can develop, the better served you can be in emotional intelligence. Now, by the way, emotional intelligence is a soft skill. Um, but with, to, to, to finish the metaphor here, the, the, the analogy here, the, the, the soft skills, there's so many soft skills. And if you, the more you can become cognizant of what they are and recognize them in yourself and others, the more versatile you can, you can be with that vocabulary and the more you can connect those dots, right? So, I mean, one of the first things you can do is just Google a list of soft skills that, that are out there. Look, look up the top soft skills, you know? That the company's value, adaptability, growth mindset, curiosity, communication skills, um, empathy, listening, consistency, uh, work ethic. There's a lot there. And in terms of your ability to communicate those, uh, obviously we've talked about the video pitch and that can communicate your creativity, your initiative. It can communicate your enthusiasm, um, your, your speaking skills are communicated on the video pitch. All these things are lost in the, in, if you just send a resume, um, beyond that, um, what we talked about reflecting on your past experience and connecting the dots, right? Just taking those, taking those moments. Maybe you've, maybe you've, um, all your work experience is watching dogs. Well, what are some skills that you've, you've built watching dogs, right? Um, Consistency, being able to show up on time, being able to de-escalate. Maybe the dog is is barking at other dogs, and then you can tell a story about that and how your ability to to work with the dog. I mean, there's that's just kind of I'm just kind of riffing on that on the moment, but always reflecting on your past experience. Um, and beyond that, creating a signal with a portfolio, a website, with a brand. So one of the things we love to talk about is do a 30 day blogging challenge. 
And that that's one of the first things I did when I started my career change and moving, kind of steering my ship in a new way. And that transformed my life. I wouldn't be, I mean, I'm, now I'm writing the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. I write every day for my profession. And it started from because I did a 30-day blogging challenge. And there's so many soft skills you can signal and develop both through the blogging challenge. You're developing consistency, you're developing creativity, you're developing communication, written, written communication skills. You're signaling, right? Because all that matters here is your ability to prove your value. So you're signaling through building a brand who you are. So if you create a blog and you blog every day for 30 days, you just signal these soft skills and you signal that you take initiative and you can also showcase your other projects and interests. You can showcase if you have an interest in financial intelligence, financial literacy. Well, if, if no one knows about that, then they're not going to know about that if, if you don't show it. So why don't you, you know, create a blog just about financial literacy, talk about your reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Here are the top five lessons I'm, read, I'm gaining from this book. And can you show that you're, you have this other interest? Then you're showing that you're an interesting person. You're showing, you're showing that you're curious, which I personally think is the number one soft skill is curiosity. Um, so there's a lot you can do with building a brand. And the last thing I'll say is, is you can learn out loud and learning new hard skills. So if you're interested in coding, then you could take a coding, coding course, coding bootcamp, and don't just do that, but showcase and document what you're learning. So you're going through the course and write a blog post about, oh, I learned this concept in the course and here's the three bullet points of what I learned. Here's a screenshot of, what I, of where I'm at. Boom, 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 real quick. It's just, you just documented your learning and now you're showcasing the skills that you're learning. And then at the end of that course, you could do a full screencast showing um, your, you could show, I'm not a coding expert, but you could literally do a screencast uh, watching uh, of yourself coding. You, you could document the end result and then you can have that in your portfolio. This is me proving to you that I can do this skill, right? So there's a lot you can do by documenting and, and building a portfolio. And you'll see on the Career Hackers website, one of the first posts is a, web, a post called 100 Ways to Work Out Loud. And those are giving you creative ways to showcase your, your process. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know that uh, we have a time here. I wanna be respectful every time. I just have a couple yeah. more questions uh, before we go. Um, one of the problems that we find with you know that we get from uh, from our audience and from our community is a lot of people don't know what jobs are out there and so one of the questions that i wanted to ask you is if you could just explain your role and um like your your official title and just kind of uh, you know a brief um overview of what it is you do for your company just to give everybody a, like this is a, this is a job yeah i mean in my case it's I've worn many hats in this startup company over the past two years. I've been working here and I've had, I've had, I don't know, four or five, six job titles. The job titles we de-emphasize on purpose. We don't really care about job titles. We care about what you're doing and the job title is a way to maybe signal to the rest of the world, kind of an approximation of what you're doing. Um, so I would, I would start by saying focus less on job titles and this is, I need, I'm going to pursue this job title for my career. 
we really just start with from the bottom up approach of what are you curious about and what what can you create what value and then let the job title come as a result of that um, but to more answer your question directly my, my job title at the moment is head of growth and I'm basically taking the lead in both the growth department to to build partnerships and relationships with other content creators for example or to find channels to to create more traffic and create more subscribers to our to our newsletter and grow the number of people that are in our orbit and then that's one channel and then I'm I'm sort of doing this partnership sales type of side and in, in integrated into that and and building these content partnerships to to bring in revenue for the business and then um, to, to create content for these other other partners. So I'm reaching out and I'm doing cold emailing and setting up discovery calls and, and creating propositions for potential content campaigns. And I mean, I'm writing, obviously, that's the core of what I'm doing is the writing piece and creating the content. So I'm writing the daily job on newsletter every single day. And then I'm writing... I'm recording our podcast. I'm I'm writing I'm writing the content for our partners. I'm writing posts on CareerHackers.com. I'm um, working with my colleague Warris in and adding resources to the website. So, and beyond that, it's just like interacting with with job seekers, interacting, engaging with people who are um, in our Slack group who are replying to my emails. Um, and so at the end of the day though, it's just like creating value in any way possible, right? If you can take that mindset, any company, you become a linchpin, you become indispensable. And there's a great book by Seth Godin, Linchpin. And it's not, it's not just about fulfilling your responsibilities. It's, it's fulfilling those responsibilities. And then that's just the beginning. And how do you go the extra mile and become an artist and just create value above and beyond, not because you have to, but because it's, it's more fulfilling and rewarding. So it's so funny that you bring that book up. Actually, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of rereading oh, nice. it right now. Uh, yeah, that's so powerful. That's funny. And then I have, it, it really is even for, um, even for me, you know, I'm full-time entrepreneur now, like even for me and as not working in a company, I don't like, it's still super useful. You know, there's still so much in there. I first read it as an employee and then I'm now reading it again and it's still super relevant to everything that, that I do, like even in my own, like to be a linchpin, maybe in my own company, but also in, in personal relationships, it's, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover. And then that actually perfect segue. Um, I always ask people, do you have any like, uh, other than career hackers, which we're definitely gonna tell people to go to, do you have any like books or resources that helped you? I think especially in your when you were making your first transition into the private sector, you know, was there any like things that really helped you during those times? Yeah, Lynchpin was one of those books, to be honest. And I'll add The Last Safe Investment by Michael Ellsberg and Brian Franklin. That literally <laughs> If you invest the 12 bucks, whatever, to, to purchase that book, that might be the best investment you ever make in your life. Is investing in the book, The Last Safe Investment, which is about seeing your 
totality of life as opportunities to invest in yourself in order to pay dividends over time to create a life of true wealth, they, they say. True wealth meaning happiness. We, see, we think of investing as just financial and like it's just delayed gratification until age 65 and then we just save our money and like be frugal. And then, well, how about investing resources into your skills, investing into therapy to improve your emotional intelligence and your sense of agency, et cetera, investing in um, your, your skills. I said, you know, learning in your network, creating value in relationships. How can you create amazing relationships where in, instead of trying to save up all your money in order to buy a yacht, well, you just end up having friends who have yachts because you've created so much value by investing in relationships that now you get invited to hang out on the yacht and you basically have a yacht anyway. So it's like taking this holistic approach to life um, and recognizing that you can systematically spend, they say, systematically spend your money towards investing in yourself. And that's the ultimate superpower. So if you do that, then it all's, it's like all going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, perfect. I, I've never read that book. So I, right after this, I'm definitely, I'm going to go pick that book up for sure. Uh -huh. And um, last, Joel, um, how can people contact you, find more about what you're doing and career hackers? Where's the best place that we can send people? Yeah, thanks so much, Ryan. It's really been a blast to be on the show. I love what you're doing. And um, in terms of finding me, you go careerhackers.com, sign up for, for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter, Check out all the resources we have. Um, you can find me at joelbine.com to, to see my projects, see my blogs. Um, you can find me on Twitter at joel underscore bine. I'm, I'm on there sometimes. Find me on LinkedIn. Just, uh, yeah, feel free to, to look me up on the interwebs and connect and uh, reach out. And more, yeah, just like a LinkedIn message or an email away. So my email is on my website. So I always love to hear from people who listen to these podcasts that I go on sometimes. And if, if, you, if you email me, you'll actually be the exception because most people wouldn't do that. Um, but if you do that, you're practicing that skill of going and taking initiative. So I would love to connect with you and, and, and feel free to reach out. Perfect. Right on. Um, and we'll have links to everything uh, in our show notes for everybody. Um, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, hopefully sometime uh, we'll be able to do it again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, keep up all the great work. And um, really, hopefully everyone listening has received some value today. Yeah, de they definitely, definitely did. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Degree Free. I hope that you guys learned and enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. If you guys need any of the show notes, any of the links to all everything that we talk about, it's going to be at degreefree.co slash podcast and you'll be able to look it up, Joel Bine, B-E-I-N, or Career Hackers. You can just search it. And last thing before you go... If you guys like to get more degree free, you guys want to learn about jobs, different companies that are going degree free, how you can get the work that you want, make more money, 
definitely subscribe to our newsletter to griefree.co slash newsletter. And that's pretty much it. Until next time, guys. Allah.